Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled, Unfriending. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 13 and chapter 12. We're going to be on those two pages there. So Proverbs, chapter 12, chapter 13, find your way there and you'll be right in the correct spot. Amen. Amen. When I was in the second grade, friend requests came as handwritten notes passed across the classroom, hopefully without the teacher noticing, and they would simply say, I like you, do you like me, will you be my friend, check yes or no. And then you would circle or check, and then you would fold it up, and you would try to pass it back across the room, again, undetected by the teacher, who, if she caught it, would most certainly read it out loud in front of the whole class and embarrass the stew out of you, right? Yes, that's how friend requests worked back in 1980-something. I'll just leave it at that. Amen? Amen. That's how they worked then, and probably even before that, if I had to guess. Today, friend requests work a little differently. You open your Facebook or Instagram, and there is a friend request there, and you can look at the person and their profile, and you can either hit accept or ignore or decline, and you can, you can allow them to have access to your page or you can deny them access to your page and it's just that simple amen accept or ignore well in reality it isn't that easy right friendship in real life isn't like Facebook friendship aren't you glad for that amen I'm thankful people aren't writing on the walls of my house and going through my photo albums at two in the morning aren't you amen if we did that to one another in reality somebody would probably get shot right Uh, Amen. You can only do that on Facebook. Facebook friendship is not the same as real-life friendship. Let's talk about real-life friendship today. In fact, that's what we're going to be doing for the next four Sundays as we dive into this study called Friends. Say friends. Amen. I was reminded, I was studying for this and getting ready the other day whenever Pastor Quinley spoke at, at Mac's service and he talked about friends. Amen. And I thought, wow, what a wonderful topic. And we're going to be talking about that too. Friendship is a theme that runs all the way through the Word of God. It's a very important idea in the Bible, this idea of friendship, because friendships matter, relationships matter. God Himself is a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bound together in the unity of the Trinity. You and I are made in the image of God, so we're made for relationships, amen? Say relationship. One of the, the only thing that was not good in the original creation was God looked at man and said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not God's will that we be isolated. God's will for us is that we be in relationship with himself and with others, and that's how we're intended to function. Amen? Relationship. Well, that's how it works. And so we usually meet our friends by chance, but we deepen those friendships by choice. Amen. In fact, I want to read from Proverbs 12 verse 26 today. This is the verse for the day and I want you to read it with me. Amen. The righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The Bible is very clear that we should be choosy about our friends. Amen. We should choose them carefully. That's what the Word of God says. And we'll be talking a lot about that. In fact, today you may find it odd that I've chosen to begin a series on friends by talking about unfriending. Amen? Now that wasn't even a word when I grew up, and I doubt Webster's would call it a word today. But we all know what it means to be unfriended, right? Have you ever been unfriended? I mean on Facebook. I don't mean in real life. 
unfriended. You're on someone's page one day and the next day you go back and you can't pull it up because they have unfriended you. Yes, it stings to be unfriended, doesn't it? I want to tell you today, sometimes the wisest thing we could do to go forward in life is to purge our friend list. And I don't just mean on Facebook. I even mean face-to-face. There are some relationships that we should greatly limit in our lives. And there are some relationships we should perhaps even cut off. Pastor, how can you say that? I can say it because the Bible says it, and I'm going to show you that the Bible says it in the next 20 minutes. Are you ready? Amen. If you have your Bible, I want you to notice with me what God's Word says. God's Word says a lot about this idea. Some people you might ought to unfriend or at least unfollow in your life. Not let them have influence over you. Our theme verse for the whole series is Proverbs 13 and 20. Again, I want you to read this one with me. This is a great proverb, a great wise saying of Solomon. Read it together with me. He who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Notice that. He didn't just say the fool would be destroyed. He said the friend of the fool would be destroyed. Did you see that? It's not enough for you not to be foolish. If you hang around with foolish, it can get you in trouble. Amen? How many of you know that probably most of the bad decisions you ever made in life, there was some foolish person egging you on to do it, right? Most of our trouble in life comes from foolish people convincing us to do things or us convincing foolish people to do things, right? Amen? Foolishness is contagious, and there's not a shot for it. Amen? Amen. But you can catch foolishness. It's contagious. The New Testament carries this same idea. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Paul quotes a proverb and says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Amen. We know this is true. A wise man once said it this way, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. For better or worse, you and I will become the average of our five closest friends. Look at the five closest relationships in your life, and I can tell you what you're becoming and what trajectory you're on, what direction you're headed in life. You and I become like the five closest friends that we choose to allow influence into our lives. Who are you becoming like? Amen? Amen. It's always amazed me that birds of a feather really do flock together, amen? And if you don't like who you are, then change who you spend time with, amen? You can't be a straight-A student with C-plus friends, mm. amen, amen. I-, I won't even talk about diet and exercise and all that, amen, amen. Find somebody who looks like what you want to look like, not what you look like now. Amen? Glory to God. Find somebody who's doing what you need to be doing and befriend them. Amen? Financially, don't be friends with people who have the same habits that you do. If you just keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always gotten. Amen? Find somebody who's better at money than you are and go sit down with them. Swallow your pride and tell them what a mess your pocketbook is in and let them help you figure out how to fix it, amen? Find somebody. If your marriage isn't what you want it to be, don't hang out with other people whose marriage is as broken as yours and complain about each other and try to figure out who's got it worse. Don't do that. Find somebody who you believe has a good, healthy version and go sit down with them and spend some time with them and figure out what they do different than what you do, amen? 
Glory to God. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but I'm used to that by now. Amen. Show me your friends and I'll show you what? Your future. We become. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. But if you hang out with fools, you will suffer harm, the Bible says. Amen. Pastor Craig Groeschel once said it this way, it is impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. I love that. It is impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. You and I, if we want a better life, we need to hang out with people who are going where we want to go. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? We must be in agreement about where we're headed in relationship. It may surprise you to learn the Bible urges us to love everybody, but it also says not to make close friendships with certain kinds of people. It warns us. Now, some people would immediately object and say, now, Pastor, wait a minute. Isn't that showing favoritism or partiality, and doesn't the Bible forbid us from doing that? That depends on what your criteria is for including or excluding people in your friendships. If I am making those decisions based on external matters that people cannot change, then yes, that's not allowable. That is favoritism. That is partiality. And such bigotry is sin. I shouldn't be picking my friends on the basis of their skin color or their ethnicity. I shouldn't be including or excluding people based on their social status or their economic level or anything like that. That is bigotry. The book of James chapter 2, very clear that we may not do that and we would be foolish to do that. Some of the best people you will ever meet are very different from you. And some of us would grow if we would find some different people and include them in our lives. Amen? Amen. Mm, quiet in the hole in the church, isn't it, today? Amen. Listen, but if we are choosing to put some boundaries up to protect our family on the basis of the character of someone, not only is that allowed, it is actually encouraged in the Bible. Pastor, you really believe that? I believe it with all my heart. Wait a minute, preacher. Didn't the Bible say, judge not lest you be judged? I mean, that's the Bible verse everybody knows, right? Well, yes, Jesus did say that in Matthew 7 and 1. But he also said this in John 7 and 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. We are expected to make judgments. We are to assess the character of other people with a righteous judgment, not based on their appearance, their outward circumstances, the externals, but we are called by God to inspect the fruit of other people's lives and determine if entering into friendship would benefit us and push us forward or if it would hinder us and set us back. Hmm. You're not convinced. I'll keep showing you in just a moment in the Word of God. This is true. The Bible says this very plainly. I was studying for this series. I came across a great commentary on Proverbs by Dr. Charles Stanley. And he pointed out several categories of people. Amen. Mike, that's your guy, isn't it? He loves Dr. Stanley. He pointed out several categories of people. And I narrowed his down and combined a couple of them because I don't have as long as he did. Amen to talk about this, but he talked about some categories of people the Bible says that we should avoid, and he walked his way through the book of Proverbs, and I thought, wow, that's good. I credited him, and now I'm going to share some of them with you real quick, but I want you to notice he's right. There are some people in the Bible that we're told to avoid. Say avoid. Number one, listen, what does all this mean? We've got to learn to spot toxic influences. We have to learn to identify people who will pull us down instead of lifting us up and getting us where we want to be. We become the average five closest friends in our lives. We need to pick those friends wisely, the Bible says. Learn to spot toxic influences. Number one, the gossip. Say the gossip. 
Proverbs 20 and 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Woo! <laughs> this is going to be the quietest Sunday we've ever had. I'm just telling you. Amen? Yeah. Avoid anyone who talks too much. A gossip will betray a confidence. The Bible is saying those who gossip to you will what? Gossip about you. If they came talking to you about somebody, they'll talk to you about you to somebody else. Amen? Charles Spurgeon years ago had a lady who came into his office and apologized because she'd spread a rumor about him that later proved to be untrue, but it had done great damage to his ministry and reputation in London. And she asked him, Dr. Spurgeon, brother, Pastor, is there anything I can do to make up for having said these things that I found out later weren't true about you? Charles Spurgeon reached over on his sofa in the office there and ripped open a feather and he opened his office window and shook those feathers out into the street there in London. A windy day and the, the wind caught him and soon, within 30 seconds, those feathers were going every direction across London, England. And Pastor Spurgeon looked at his member and said, I want you to go downstairs out on the street and gather up every feather that just came out of that pillow. And she looked at him and she said, there's no possible way that I could do that. He said, that's correct. And there's no possible way you can undo all the damage that you've done by gossiping. Because the wind has caught those rumors and they are spread all over the city now and you couldn't get them back if you tried. Gossip is a very dangerous thing. Saying things that we don't know to be true, telling stories that have not been corroborated, or saying things for the purpose of making someone look bad or damaging their reputation. It is not, it is biblical. It's not something we should be involved in. And if you identify someone like that, you would be smart if you limited their access to your life and your business. 1 Thessalonians 4 says we should be quiet and peaceable and we should mind our own business. You want a New Year's resolution? There's one. Mind your own business. Tend your own biscuits and life will be gravy. Amen? Amen. Handle your own business. Keep your nose out of other people's business. We should only be involved in other people's business as much as love requires us to be and only to benefit them, never to be nosy and pry around so we can share things with other people. Some people are in the middle of a lot of drama. 2 Corinthians 12 and 20 says, For Paul says, I'm afraid when I come, you may not find me as I want to be. And you may, he says, I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, there it is, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Do you notice that? Gossip is on the list of very bad things that Paul says shouldn't be in the life of a church. Make no mistake, friends, gossip is sin. Say it's a sin. God is against it, brothers and sisters. He doesn't like it when we gossip. The Bible's very clear on that. Always remember, what Susie says about Sally says a lot more about Susie than it does about Sally. Amen? The second person we're told to avoid in the Bible is the hothead. The angry person, the person who has a short fuse, who has a quick temper. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Anybody that their anger could say amen to that, right? There's a reason the New Testament says be angry but sin not. You are never more likely to sin than when you're mad. <laughs> amen. It's just easy when you're mad, right? It just comes so quick upon us. The Bible tells us that. 
Jesus said anger is the inward motivation that leads to murder and violence and all sorts of bad things. Proverbs 19, 19 says, A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them and you will have to do it again. Wow. In other words, if you are friends with somebody with a short fuse, you're going to be spending a lot of your life doing damage control and mopping up the messes that they've made. You see that? If you rescue them, you'll have to do it again and again and again. If you're in a close relationship with an angry person, you're going to have a rough row to hoe. That's what the Bible says. And all those who've ever lived with angry people said, it's the truth. It is just the truth. Listen, some of you always have to call and patch things up because your husband blew his stack with one of your relatives or your wife lashed out at a family member um, at a family function over the holidays. Some of you work for a boss or have an employee who's actually damaged the company and cost you business because of their anger issues, right? Had that happen? I mean, somebody that works for you can absolutely undercut your business because they lack the people skills and they get angry quickly and they can do more harm than you can fix in a month of Sundays. Amen? And the Bible says if you bail them out, you'll have to keep on bailing them out. What's the answer? It says they must pay the penalty. In other words, if they make their bed, you've got to let them sleep in it a little while. And if they finally have to reap the consequences of their actions, maybe they'll wake up and realize that they're the ones doing this. Listen, if every relationship in your life is broken, if nobody will have anything to do with you, maybe that's a sign to you. You may be like the man whose kid Lindberger cheese under on and he woke up one day and said, man, this room stinks. And he walked into the living room and said, man, the whole house stinks. And he opened the front door and stepped out and said, have mercy, the whole world stinks. And the problem was right under his own nose. And I want to tell you there are people who live in such brokenness and they never realize that the problem is under their own nose. If the common denominator is you, fix it. Recognize it. Allow the Holy Spirit to point out to you that you may be picking up your own scent. Amen? Amen. Deal with that. A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Don't bail them out. It, if they have to deal with the consequences of that without a mediator, maybe they'll get tired of paying the price. They'll learn to control their temper and get the revelation that the problem is on their end. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Do you still not believe that the Bible is clear that there's some people you shouldn't be friends with? I mean, how much plainer can you get? Do not make friends. Do not associate with. Is that plain? Is that just plain to me? You don't even have to have a high school diploma to understand that, right? The Bible is clear. There are some people who will harm you if you hit your wagon to them, and you'd be smart not to make a close friendship with certain kinds of people. Number one, a gossip. Number two, a hothead. Say a hothead. When you hang around with angry people, you become what you hang around. It'll rub off on you. When you hang out with an angry person, you notice that before long, you start to have a shorter fuse. You start to be impatient like they are, and God forbid your language begins to go downhill, just like their language has gone downhill. You become what you hang around. Amen? Show me your friends. 
I'll show you your future. You'll be the average of your top five closest friends. The third person the Bible says to avoid is the pot stirrer. Say that with me. The pot stirrer. Some people are always stirring up drama. There's always issues around them. They're always discontent, unhappy, dissatisfied. And they're not happy unless they've made happy about what they're unhappy about. They just thrive on it. Proverbs 24, 21 says, My dear child, fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate with rebels, for disaster will hit them suddenly. Who knows what punishment will come from the Lord and the King? Some people are perpetually dissatisfied with everybody and everything. They're always trying to start something, to call someone their job, to get someone out of a position, to try to get this or that person's spot, to get this policy changed to suit their own needs. Even in the church, we're warned to be careful of people like this. Titus 3 and 10 says, Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, what do you do? Have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are self-condemned, warped, and sinful. Wow! If someone is always stirring up controversy and strife, they're always in the middle of some kind of drama and argument and, and contention. The Bible says that is a clue about their character. They are warped. They are sinful. They are self-condemned. I didn't say it. The Bible did. Amen. You tend to find what you're looking for in life. And if you want peace, you'll have peace. And if you want a fight, you'll have a fight all the time. Amen. Oh. Mm. I'm loving the book of Proverbs, y'all. This is fun. Wow. Paul says, mark those who cause division among you. I'll never forget when Brother Ray Garner walked in the Pleasant Hill Church of God, my wife's home church one day, and put his finger in the chest of a member there who was constantly stirring up trouble and running off preachers. And Brother Garner put his finger in his chest and said, the Bible says, mark those who cause division among you. And he looked at that congregation and said, I want this church to know this is a marked man. And he put his finger on his chest. You know what? He ended up leaving that church. A few months ago, it ended up being exposed very publicly what a mess his personal character was. It was exposed all over the county. He lost his job, shamed his family, and shamed his church. Thankfully, it wasn't the same church. Amen. He had moved on down the road because he finally got a pastor that wouldn't let him run it. Amen. Amen. What happened? He was a marked man. And soon, his true colors came shining through. If you find somebody who's always in the middle of controversy, that ought to tell you something about their character. And you ought to avoid them if at all possible. Amen? Listen, uh, we have to be careful of this. Warn them, and if they don't stop, have nothing to do with them. Number four, the self-indulgent person. The Bible says to avoid them. Someone who has no self-control. Someone who can't control their appetites. Someone who lacks moderation. Young people who obey the law are wise. Those with wild friends bring shame to their parents. All the teenagers said, mm, they said, Arr. yeah, yeah. The new king this way, whoever keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. A glutton is someone who eats too much or drinks too much or partakes of some pleasure more than they should. They have no self-control. They don't have any moderation. They don't know how to do a little bit without going all the way. They can't have a little bit of fun without going all the way and breaking the law. They don't know the difference between a practical joke and vandalizing somebody's property. Yeah. 
They don't know the difference between wrapping a yard and spray painting the house. Yeah. No moderation, no understanding of what is in bounds and what is not in bounds. Amen? Amen. The Bible says beware of people like that. Uh, Notice it doesn't just say those who live without self-control will end up in trouble. It says the companion of gluttons. Do you notice it? Those whose friends are like this will end up in trouble. Young people, let me tell you today, your reputation takes a lifetime to build and a moment to destroy. But let me tell you what's more scary than that. Not only can you destroy your reputation, one of your friends can destroy it for you. They can unbuild everything you've built. Listen, all it takes is one friend getting in the back seat of your car and dropping a dime bag or dropping a marijuana joint and leaving it there and you may not even know it and all of a sudden you go through a traffic stop. Listen, you're one drug dog away from going to jail for something you didn't do. Why? Because you are the companion of a fool. That's why. Be careful of that. Some people never, they they miss opportunities because of who their friends are. That wonderful guy or that wonderful girl that you dream of going out with, you know what? They may not have anything to do with you because they saw who you were standing beside at lunch or who was riding around in your car with you. And they say, well, if you're anything like them, I don't want anything to do with you. Your friends can ruin your life. They can cost you all kind of opportunity in the world. The companion of a self-indulgent person will bring great harm to your life. Lord, help us. Number five, the ungodly. Say the ungodly. The word in the Bible is the word fool. The Bible tells us very clearly, uh, Proverbs 14 and 7, he says this. Proverbs 14, 7, Stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. Now the word fool in the Bible is a neat word. We don't use the word like they did back then. You and I, when we think of fool today, we usually just think of someone who is of less than average intelligence. The Bible adds a moral quality to the word fool. That's why Jesus said, if you say to your brother, thou fool, you're in danger. Because to call someone a fool was not simply to call them ignorant or or, or unintelligent. In the Bible, a fool was a scoundrel, okay? A, A fool was someone who was immoral. A fool was someone who knew God's law and refused to obey God's law. A fool is someone who knew better but didn't care enough to do better. That's the Bible definition of a fool. Someone who completely ignores God's law. A fool is an ungodly person. A fool is a person who knows but rejects the boundary lines that God has set for them. And so it says, stay away from a fool. Did you see it? Say, stay away. Oh, pastor, I'm going to try to win him to the Lord. Yeah. I've heard the wind blow before, too. The Bible says, stay away from them. Leave them alone. Why? Because the problem isn't that they don't know the truth. They probably know the Bible better than you do already. And they've rejected it. So leave them alone. Amen. And if you don't, you will suffer from the fallout of what happens to them. Lord, help us. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They don't want there to be a God. They live like there isn't a God. They ignore the commands of God. They look out for themselves. They don't care who else gets hurt. Just so they get what they want and they get their way. But, Pastor, I'm going to bring him to the Lord. Heed the word of the Lord. Stay away from a fool. Say that with me. Stay away from a fool. It is a lot easier for them to pull you down than for you to pull them up. Gravity's real, even in the spiritual world. The problem isn't that they don't know, it's that they don't care. He who argues with a fool proves there are two. Some of y'all will catch that on the way home. 
Stay away. Don't waste your breath. Jesus said it this way. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Pigs don't appreciate jewelry. Amen? You can't show something precious to someone who isn't interested in it. Amen? Don't waste your time. I know this cuts across the grain of our culture that says we should tolerate everyone and everything, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible warns us, 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship does righteousness and wickedness have? What do they have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? Do not be yoked together. It doesn't mean don't be nice to them. It doesn't mean you shun them. It doesn't mean you send them a note that says, My pastor said I can't sit with you anymore. It doesn't mean that. It does mean you don't make a close allegiance with them. You don't bring them into the inner circle of your life. You just simply don't do it. Amen? But pastor, they said that they're a Christian. They just don't agree with our church about everything. They're more progressive, a little bit more more liberal than you are. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 11 says, I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but, say but, is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. I don't care if they claim to be a Christian. You go by their actions, not by their words. And if they aren't living as a Christian, then they are not a Christian. Amen? And you treat them like they're not a Christian. And you don't allow them to have access into your life or influence over you. And and, and you don't follow them. Again, our culture says that there are people who try to follow Jesus and want to redefine God's Word to justify their lifestyles. They say the church's view on sexuality and other issues is too old-fashioned and outdated. Don't listen to them. God has not changed. God's Word has not changed. God's standards have not changed. It is still what He said it was. Amen. God is not trying to spoil your fun. God's not trying to keep you from having fun. These are not the rules of a bean-counting spoil sport in heaven who's trying to ruin your life. These are the guardrails that a good God put around your life to keep you from wrecking your life and landing in the ditch. Amen. Keep your boundaries in place. A friend will never ask you to lower your standards. Friends pull you up. They don't tear you down. And if they try to get you to lower your standards, they just identified themselves as not being a true friend. And so return the favor and click the button and unfriend them from your life. Don't give them access to your life anymore. Oh, Lord, help The person trying to bring you down isn't your friend. They just want what they can get out of you. Don't, they want you to join them in their sin because they get convicted when they're around you because you don't do what they do, and they want to pull you down so that you don't convict them anymore. Don't do that. Don't allow that to happen. The Bible says do not associate with such people. The gossip, the hothead, the pot stirred, the self-indulgent, the ungodly fool. Stay away. Say stay away. Number two, we have to learn to live in the tension of this. This is easier said than done, isn't it? Because it's not as simple as unfollowing or unfriending someone on social media. Some of us live in the house with people on that list. A couple of you may be married to somebody. Please don't go file papers this afternoon. I didn't say that. Amen. 
Some of you may have a parent or a child on that list. I don't know. A co-worker, a neighbor, someone, a, a boss, a, 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 a fellow student. You can't, a teammate, you can't always just get away from it. But you have to learn to live in the tension of this and learn how to not let them have undue influence over you. Listen to me today. There are some principles in the Bible that appear to contradict each other, but really what they're doing is they're pointing out the ditch on both sides of the road. I already hear people object, but pastor, wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? Yes, he was. And we ought to be the friend of sinners if we understand that rightly. But the Bible also says don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't enter into a partnership or a deep influential relationship with someone who doesn't love God. We're called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Yes, but bad company still corrupts good character. Well, aren't we to make disciples of those that don't know the Lord? Yes, but they have to want to know the Lord and be willing to change and go that way. Pastor Craig Rochelle gave some advice here and I thought it was very poignant. He pointed this out. Jesus loved everybody equally, but he didn't treat everybody equally. Did you hear me? Jesus loved everybody equally, but he didn't treat everybody equally. Not everybody had equal access to Jesus. And not everybody ought to have equal access to you either. Jesus had the crowd that he ministered to. Jesus had 70 who became his friends and partnered with him in ministry. Jesus had 12 that were his inner circle of disciples, and of those 12, there were three he spent more time with than with the other nine. It's okay to be selective. Say that with me. It's okay to be selective. Where'd you get that from? This book right here and the example of the sinless Son of God. If Jesus could be selective, he gives me permission to be selective. Amen? He withdrew from the crowds to be alone with God. He kept the Pharisees at arm's length. He loved them, but he knew he couldn't trust them, so he didn't let them into the inner circle of his life. There are some people that you love, but you can't let them influence you. Learn that your closest relationships have to be people of like mind. Keep your relationships with those that don't know the Lord. You need to do that. You need to be trying to win them to the Lord. But your closest relationships, the ones that influence you, ought to be fellow Christians who know God and love God like you know and love God. Hear me today. Our closest friends should be people who pull us who toward Jesus. Influence the world for Christ, but don't let the world influence you. Amen? Amen. Years ago, Perry Stone preached at Mississippi Camp Meeting, a morning service. Uh, and this is the message. I never forgot something that he said that morning. I've used it every season of my life since then. Um, I don't often remember a lot of what Perry Stone says, uh, because he gets into a lot of dates and things that you'd have to have three notebook pages to remember what he said, amen? And he talks faster than I do, if you can believe that. But I never forgot this that he said. He talked about Jesus and the 70 and the 12 and the 3 or the crowd and the 70 and the 12, the, the friends of Jesus. And he said, listen, there are three chairs in your life. And he pulled up three chairs on the platform and he labeled them three, two, one. And he explained it like this. He said, there are some people in your life that sit in the third chair. Say the third chair. They're like the crowd. They hung out with Jesus because of what Jesus could do for them. As long as Jesus was healing the sick and providing free fish dinners, they were there. And you've got people like that in your life. As long as you benefit them in some way, they will show up in your life. But the moment that there's nothing to be gained from you, they disappear from your life. Have you noticed that? We've all got people like that. It's okay. You just need to know who they are and keep them in chair number three. Say number three. Then there are people who sit...
conceit of your life. They are like the 12. Excuse me, yeah, you got the, the, the crowd, but then you've got, let's say, the 70. You've got this group of 70 people. They were ministry partners of Jesus. They went out and preached the message of Jesus. They shared the word of Jesus. They did all that they needed to do to push the kingdom of God forward in the world. And yet, yet, they were not part of the inner circle of Jesus. There are some people in your life who sit in the second chair. Say the second chair. They will help you if they can. They agree with you. They want the same thing out of life that you do. And they will agree with you and help you get some things done in life. And they will partner with you. And that's wonderful. You need some people like that in life. You need people like that in church. You need people like that in business who will help you get things done. And you need some people you can count on and depend on. And yet those people were not in the inner circle of Jesus' life either. At the end of the day, they went home and they didn't hang out with Jesus at night. But then Jesus had a group of 12 that sat in the first chair. Say the first chair. It was a small group, but they spent every hour with Jesus. They woke up with him and they went to bed with him. They ate with him and they bathed with him. Everything they did, they did together as a group of friends. They did life together. It was a small group, and it was a hand-picked group. Jesus selected these people. He didn't just let anybody come in that wanted to. He decided who he allowed to get that close to him. Did you hear me? He decided who he let get that close to him. And you are a foolish person if you don't have some kind of border or boundary around your life. Amen? We're fighting about that in our country right now, aren't we? Do we just let everybody in? Or should there be some controls over who we allow in? Your life is like that. And we ought to have some levels at which we're open and some levels at which we're very guarded with people. And we only allow them in as far as we know and they've proven that we can trust them. Say it's a trust issue. The first chair. He let them behind the curtain. He allowed them in. The worst mistake that you'll ever make is to get the wrong person in the wrong chair. You have never been hurt until you get an untrustworthy person in the first chair of your life. And I want to tell you, you'll get damaged real quickly. If you don't believe it, his name was Judas. And he didn't have the character to sit in that seat, but that's where he did. And he wounded Jesus greatly. When someone does that and they betray that trust, it, you have to, listen, they may never be able to rebuild that. And if they can't, then you keep that boundary up. Peter was not like Judas. He also violated the trust of Jesus. But Jesus knew that it wasn't the same kind of heart or the same kind of man. And so he restored him and invited him back into that place again. Some people will make may get invited back after they've hurt you. Some people you may never invite back into that place again because you can't trust their character anymore. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Pastor, that's a hard word. This is what Jesus did. He brought Peter back and he let Judas go. You have to have some discernment. You have to make hard choices about who you allow to have access to your life and whose access you limit or deny from your life. Is it biblical to do it? Well, Jesus did it, and I don't know how you can get more biblical than Jesus. Hmm. I'm closing today with this. Number three, learn to be your own person. Say your own person. It doesn't matter how good your friends are. It doesn't matter who your friends are. You have to learn how to be your own man or your own woman. And you've got to draw some boundary lines in your life and say, I don't care who influences me to do this or that. There are some things I will not do. There's some places I will not go. I have some dear friends in the first chair of my life. They've been there for many years. Um, 
I have known them and walked in ministry with them since the beginning of my ministry, most of them. And I know that if a bottom fell out of my life tomorrow, they would drive up in Mobile, Alabama, and they would be there to help me put the pieces of my life back together again. They love me, and I trust them, and they trust me. But I want to tell you something. Even those close friends, there are some things I will not allow them to do in my life. There are some places I will not even follow them. What do you mean, Pastor? Let me give you three as we close. Number one, I will not let my friends distract me from God's call on my life. Peter tried to tell Jesus that the cross was not God's will for him. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you desire the things of man and not the things of God. Don't ever let anybody distract you from the call and the purpose of God on your life. Some people will look at you and they'll say, Well, man, you've changed since you started going to church. I'm glad you noticed. I don't plan to go back to what I used to be either. Hope you like the change because the change is here to stay. And if you don't like the change, you're not here to stay. Hmm. I've had people tell me you're not the same since you went into the ministry. I still love you. I don't think I'm better than anybody. But I know that God has his hand on my life. And I know that God has a purpose for me. And I know God has an assignment for me. And I can't let you trip me up. I can't let you get in my way. I can't let you stop me or slow me down from doing what God has called me to do. I'm going to come to the end of my life. And I'm going to stand before Jesus. And you're not going to get to stand there with me. I'm going to have to stand there by myself and give an account for whether or not I did what he he called and commanded me to do and I'm not going to skate into that day and get messed up because you influenced me to go the wrong way. If you can't help me, don't hinder me. Say with the choir today, right on King Jesus, no man cannot hinder me. Make up your mind that nobody is going to trip you up or slow you down. Paul said to the Galatians, you ran well. Who bewitched you? Who got you off the track? Who derailed you? I won't let somebody distract me from the purpose of God. Number two, I won't let anybody derail my life morally. You cannot stay in my life if you're going to continually tempt me to do what's wrong. Do you hear me? I won't let you stay in my life if you're going to pull on me all the time to do what I know I'm not supposed to do. Oh, it's quiet. The Bible says Potiphar's wife grabbed hold of Joseph and said, Come lie down with me. She caught him by the cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But the Bible says he left his coat in her hand and ran out of the room. I want to tell you, if you have to run out of your suit coat, you ought to leave some people alone and get away from them. Don't stay around somebody who tries to pull you to do what you know is sin and what you know you ought not do. If you have a past habit or addiction, don't hang around anybody who would try to pull you back into your past. Don't do it. It isn't worth it it. Listen, I won't let you pull me down with you. I'll help you get out of the ditch, but I won't let you pull me into the ditch. I can't save anybody. Only Jesus can save them, and I'm not going to let you get us both in trouble. Amen? If you're struggling to live right, you don't have to be an angel to be my friend. If you're fighting old demons, if you still stumble sometimes, that's okay. I won't write you off. I will help you quit drinking, but don't ever pour me a glass and hand it to me and try to get me to go there with you. I'll help you get off drugs, but don't you ever try to pull me or somebody in my family into that lifestyle with you. I will help you fix your marriage. I'll help you fight your lust. But don't tell me a nasty joke or show me a dirty picture on your phone. I will cut you out of my life. I will not let you pull me down into the ditch with you. You hear me? I will not let you do that. I will not let somebody derail my life morally. It is not worth it. By any stretch of the imagination, I'll run out of my coat to get away from it. And you ought to feel that way. 
I will not let somebody derail my life morally. I will love you unconditionally. I will go after you if you go astray and fall into sin, but you'll lose your influence over my life. Amen. You'll become one of those people that I'm trying to help, and you can listen to me, but I'm not going to listen to you as long as you're living like that. Now, if you straighten up and fly right, you can get invited back in, and we can be buds. But as long as you're messing up, I'm not going to listen to you. Mm. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Number three, I will not let anyone damage the character of my children. I will not let anyone damage the character of my children. Matthew 6, and I'm done. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and for them to be drowned in the depth of the sea. There is nothing more dangerous before a holy God than to trip up a young person who's trying to live right. Amen. Right now my kids love the Lord and they love the church. And I want them to always love the Lord and love the church. My first congregation is the four people who sit at my supper table with me tonight. I love you, but I won't let you talk about how sorry all men are in the presence of my daughter and make her think that men are something bad and to be avoided. Mm, not going to let you do it. I'll help you get over your baggage. We'll find you a good therapist to get over whatever he did to you. But you're not going to talk like that in front of my children and make my daughter feel like that all men are scum. You're not going to run men down in front, of my, in front of my old girl. I won't let you do it. I won't let you damage the character of my daughter. I love you, but I won't let you blow your stack and cuss a blue streak in front of my wife or my children. I won't let you do it. You're not going to damage the character of my family. Amen? You shouldn't do that either. The next time somebody does that in front of your wife or kids, pop them in the mouth and tell them your preacher told you to. <laughs> when they get over the shot and clean up the blood, maybe they'll recognize what they did. Men used to not let other people talk like that in front of their family. Men used to have a backbone and stand up in their own house and say, this is my house, I pay the rent here, and this is what goes in here. You're not going to talk like that, and you're not going to bring that up in my house. My grandpa had some, he had some kids that drank, but they didn't drink in his house. And they had it in their refrigerator, but they didn't bring it to his refrigerator for Christmas. You might have been shacking and slept together at your house, but if you came to my daddy's house, you were going to sleep on a bed, but you weren't going to sleep together if you weren't married. Standards. Why? Because he had a teenage boy in the house and he wanted me to know the boundary lines are where God says the boundary lines are. No confusion about that. Don't apologize for that. Have some standards. Have some backbone. And if people can't cut that, then let them go. Wow, I love you, but I won't let you objectify women and use crass language and vulgar remarks and sexual innuendo, innuendo and dirty jokes in front of my two boys. They're not going to grow up and treat women like that as long as I've got one boot that I can get high enough to help it. Amen? They're not going to do it. And you shouldn't let it happen in your house either. Be in charge of the spot of life that God gave you to be in charge of. Take dominion. Glory to God. Stand with me all over the house. I don't know if I'm mad or anointed, amen? <laughs> but pastor, don't but pastor me. The Bible says do not associate with them, do not even eat with them. That's what the Bible says. If you want to make it to heaven, I'll help you any way that I can. But if you've determined to go to hell, I won't let you take my family or my church with you. Not going to do it. If you want to live in the world... It's right outside those doors waiting on you. But if you want to make it home, there's a group of people here that will help you make it home. Amen. 
Let them influence you the right direction. Lord, help me. If you want to go to heaven, heed the word of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Read it with me. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. It's okay to sing, I am who he says I am, but you better understand that he is who he says he is too. And he's holy. And if you're his kid, you're going to look like him. He's going to require you to be holy too. Well, I've got to grow into that. He'll help you grow. He'll give you patience and grace to grow. And when you get stubborn and don't want to grow, he'll take his belt off and motivate you to grow. Amen? He will. God will help you. (laughs) But if you're his, you're going to look like him. There's going to be a family resemblance. And that is, we don't live like the rest of the world lives. We are different. Pastor Chad quoted it a few minutes ago. Holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Learn to spot the toxic influences, the gossip, the hothead, the pot stirrer, the glutton, the fool. You're the average of your five closest friends. If you want to be an A plus, need some A plus friends. Learn to live in the tension of this. Decide who sits in the third, second, and first chair of your life. The righteous should choose his friends wisely. Say it. The righteous should choose his friends wisely. Don't confuse your mission partners with your mission field. Some people you're trying to reach, but don't let them reach you. You're trying to influence them. Don't let them influence you the other way. Draw a boundary line. Learn to be your own person. Decide who you are and what you stand for and what you will do morally and where you won't go morally. And don't let anybody talk you out of your personal convictions. You don't have to explain them to anybody. And you don't have to back them up to anybody, but don't let anybody talk you out of them. John Martin Luther said it is neither safe nor wise to violate your conscience. If that little man on the inside gets nervous about you doing it, when in doubt, leave it out. Don't go there. Don't violate your conscience. It's a pretty good guide. Holy Spirit lives in there. He'll help you if you'll listen to it. God will lead you if you want to be led. Amen? But you got to want to be led. Every head bowed this morning before we go. Maybe you're here today. How many of you would say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. I've got some people I need to unfriend or at least unfollow in my life. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. Now, I've got some people that I need to limit their access. Yeah. Yeah, just being honest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's hands up in this building. Listen, it's not just teenagers, guys. It's, it's everybody. It's all of us. Some of us are grown, but we've got some people that have influence over us. We need to be careful. Maybe you're here today. Some of you are dating people who don't love Jesus like you or believe the Bible like you. Please stop evangelistic dating. End it now. You can't rescue them. Only Jesus can. They'll drown you. Get out now. Get out now. Come today and make Jesus the best friend of your life. I want to tell you, the way to go forward in 2019 is to start your life saying, Jesus, you are my very best friend. If you get your relationship with him right, he'll help you find other relationships that are like him. Do you know what brings friends together? A common interest. Lovers look eye to eye, but friends stand side by side and they do something together that they both enjoy. Dates sit across from each other. 
friends sitting beside each other in a bass boat or a Fortnite tournament, right? Something outside of you has to bring you together. Something that you both enjoy. You need some friends that share Jesus in common. Do you hear me? You need some relationships that the thing that ties you to them is they love Jesus and you love Jesus. They want the same thing out of life that you want out of life. And let that commonality bind you together. But the only way you'll ever find people like that is you've got to decide that you want to be someone like that. If you want close Christian friends, then you've got to be a close walking Christian. If you want people that love God in your life, you've got to love God. You hear me? Lord, help us. Musicians hang out together because they love to play. Athletes play to hang out together because they love sports. Christians hang out together because they love Jesus. Do you love the Lord? Do you want your life to go different this year? Change your friends and you'll change your life. You will become like what you hang around. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Walk with the wise, you'll be wise. Today is your relationship with Jesus what it ought to be. Start with the top one. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those in this room today. Some of them are here today and they say, Lord, my heart's not right with you. That's the bottom line. Jesus isn't first in my life. He's not foremost. He's not number one priority for me. But my relationship with Jesus isn't the controlling one that determines all the rest of them. Lord, help me today. I pray today, God, that you'd bless your people today. And if that's true for them, show them that. Put your finger on it. Convict them. Draw them out. And may they come back to the place today where they leave this place saying, Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. I will not do anything or let anybody do anything in my life that pulls me away from Jesus. Jesus is the controlling, stabilizing influence for me. He's number one. He's the priority for me. And then, Lord, there are some in this room of us who know today there are friends that we need to unfriend or unfollow. We need to at least limit our interaction with them. We need to put some boundaries in place to guarantee that we're influencing them, pulling us back. Lord, help us today to make wise choices in our relationships today, even if it means losing some folks out of our lives. Lord, help us. Help us, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. We're going to close by singing this chorus together one time. If you need someone to pray with you about mending your relationship with the Lord, come join me at this altar. I'd love to pray with you. If you need to go home and do some homework, though, I challenge you to do that. Because coming to the altar won't do that. You've got to walk out of here and do that. Work on the relationship list. Do it this week. It'll be the best thing you did to start this year. Amen. If you need to come pray, I'd love to pray with you. If things aren't right between you and the Lord, I'd love to introduce you to Him today. This morning, obey the Lord, whatever He tells you to do. Let's sing together, Chad. Lead us. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.